0: Hopefully you turn to Psalm 37. As you know, we have a Bible app. You can follow along on the notes. And I wanted to start off as we're starting this whole new series. I wanted to start off by asking the question, when was the last time you made a major change in your life or maybe a major turn in direction in your life? If you ever had to consider a major change, you know, all of you who have been in that situation, you know that it is not an easy thing to go through. Too often we settle for the status quo because I think it's always easier and less disruptive in our lives when we have to make a change and we decide not to make that change because it's just easier. It's more comfortable. And I think if we're honest this morning, we will have to confess that One of the major reasons why we don't like change in our lives is because of fear, because of some of the challenges that we're going to be facing when we go through that change in our lives. Therefore, comfort and fear, I think, are some of the strongest driving forces for many of us to continue down a road that oftentimes leads to discontentment and mediocrity. Do you know how many people in this world just live a mediocre life? And that is not what God intended for us. The Bible tells us that he has come to give us life and to give it abundantly. And so many of us, we wake up in the morning, we go, through, we go to work, we go to school, we do the same thing over and over again. And I'm just wondering if some of us in this room have, have ever wondered to ourselves, is this all there is to life? Is this what Christ did on the cross for me so I could just live this life that's mediocre and I feel so much discontentment? Why am I feeling this? Why am I experiencing this? And that's why somewhere in our Christian journey, there is a disconnect. We see what the Bible says that we ought to experience, but then we look at our lives and we realize it's not what we're experiencing right at this moment. I think one of the most powerful things that you will notice all throughout the Bible is that from Genesis all the way to Revelation, you will notice that there are so many stories and moments and instances where the people of God stepped out in faith. They literally pivoted from the direction they were going and they followed God. And it's amazing stories of blessings and of that life of obedience and what it brings about even carries on to the next generation. I think these stories really remind us the importance of taking faith seriously. I want to show you this quick video of this guy who was actually making close to $80,000 USD a year. Very comfortable job, uh, single guy, so he was saving up all this money. He started buying just various things, and then he came to a point where he just left it all. And when you watch this video, you'll see what he left it for, and then you're going to be scratching your head. But I want you to listen as he gives his account and shares his story and what he was able to gain as he gained some perspective in life. So let's watch this together, and then we'll come back. If some of you want to be a grocery worker, uh, I don't know if that inspired you. But I am not trying to tell you to quit your job. But I am challenging you to reflect on your life. I think life brings us to a certain crossroad at different stages of life. And it's in those moments where you have to make a decision. Are you going to continue to move in this direction? Or are you going to pivot and do something different? And I want to talk about that today because I think it's important to know how to pivot. It's not just I'm unhappy, so I'm just going to do something else. Or this is hard and I just want to quit. That's giving up. That's not pivoting. Sometimes you might have to adjust to still get to the end goal that God has for us. But it's learning how to pivot in the situation that you're in. So let me give us the definition of pivot according to the American Heritage Dictionary. It says this, to make a dramatic change in policy, position, or strategy. So it's almost as if you're moving in a direction or you're trying to operate a certain way and you realize it's not working, so you're changing that strategy. You're changing that position or the policy or the things that you value moving forward. Another part of that definition, says says this, to cause to rotate or revolve or to turn. A lot of times, pivoting requires you to realize a lot about yourself, a lot about the situation that you're in, and learning how to revolve or turn around, and that also requires repentance. Some of us have to pivot because you've been going to a self-centered life, and the only way you're going to turn around and revolve around, it's going to require repentance. Another part of the definition, it says this, a person or thing on which something depends, the central or crucial factor. And this is something that I want us to try to understand. When you pivot, you have to pivot centered around God. A lot of times we're pivoting, but in fact, we're just going through a revolving door and everything looks so familiar. So what is it that you're pivoting on or upon as you make some of those changes in your life? I believe that in our journey with God, there will be many times where you're gonna to have to pivot. You're gonna to have to make changes in your life. And as I mentioned earlier, it is important to what you pivot on and to whom you're pivoting on. And this, is, this will lead us to the important question, which is why are we pivoting? Why do we need to pivot? I think there are major reasons why a person might pivot directionally. And let me just give us uh, just five that just comes to my mind. First one is a discovery. It's some kind of discovery, whether it's awareness of yourself, you discover certain things about your life. So sometimes a discovery can cause you then to say, I need to change. Maybe some of you, you discovered how self-centered you were or you are. Maybe you've discovered that everything that you've been doing in this direction has all been to please people or for yourself. And so that discovery kind of awakens you for the need for the pivoting. Another one is a discernment. So not only a discovery, but a discernment. There are times when we hear God's voice. He speaks to us about certain things. I mean, we've been challenging many students in our church to possibly stick around so you could invest in the next generation. But if you do that because someone tells you to do it, then you're going to be very bitter. That's why you got to learn how to discern. There are times when God challenges us to take some steps of faith, and it has to be something that you discern because you hear the voice of God. Another one is a disappointment. So not only a discovery, a discernment, but a disappointment. I think that disappointments are so good for us. I know that sounds almost sadistic and not very pastorally pastoral, but I'm going to tell you right now, I believe disappointments are some of our best friends and one of the most hidden gems in our lives. I'm telling you right now, until some of you in this room experience some major disappointments, from the things that you're chasing after some of the goals that you're trying to pursue until you come to that moment of disappointment i realize that you will never change you will never reorient yourself in such a way that is now based on kingdom values rather than on your own values some of us we have put all our hope all our dreams on certain things And until you face that disappointment, you're not going to see that it was very self-driven. You're not going to see that it was to keep an image of yourself. You're not going to be able to see that you were doing it to please that person or the other person. So sometimes disappointment helps you to wake up and realize, I got to pivot. I got to change. The fourth, so not only discovery, discernment, disappointment, but the fourth is a dissatisfaction. In fact, this is something that I'm constantly challenging people. And a lot of people say, well, this person is struggling with this. Let them keep on struggling through because they need to feel this dissatisfaction. That nothing in this world will fully satisfy. So you can have all the money you want and you realize that it will never fully satisfy you. You can have all the job positions that you want but it will never fully satisfy. You can even have that relation, even get married and thinking, my life is going to be great, but you get married and you realize it's not fulfilling all your needs. So then you shift it over to your children, and once your children are grown up and off to college, you feel so empty because you're thinking, what have I been living for outside of my family? This is the reason why dissatisfaction with what you're experiencing or you thought that will promise you something causes us to think about changing and pivoting. Some of you are at work, and you're in that office, and it looks so familiar, doesn't it, with a computer and a chair? That guy had a little cushy chair. And you're sitting there, and you're thinking, why am I doing this? What's satisfaction? But maybe your greatest joy is being able to invest in children or, or teach children. But you're in this finance job, and you're thinking, why am I here? because my mom told me, my dad told me that I have to be this person. And until you feel the pain of dissatisfaction in your life, you're going to continue to move in this direction because it's all going to be about security, just having enough money to buy an apartment, to start a family, and then you die. That's why, once again, dissatisfaction is also our friend. It's a good thing that helps us and challenges us to move forward. And lastly, another thing that will help us to make us pivot is God puts in us a desire. I think there are seasons of our lives when God puts a desire in our hearts for something. And oftentimes that desire is connected to, as you're spending time in the word, as you're praying, and as you're seeing what God is doing around the world, he puts something in your heart, he puts that desire. I'm not talking about just a plain old desire, oh, I would like to do whatever, but you just feel this conviction, this desire that comes from him, and you're wondering, why am I feeling this? Why am I sensing this? And that God-given desire can be the very thing that he's causing you then to pray about pivoting from the situation that you're in. So why are we talking about this right now at this season of our church? In September, we're going to be celebrating our fourth year anniversary, that our church has been in existence for four years, and God has been faithful. He's been doing great things. But I believe if we keep on doing the same thing that we've been doing, and we don't make changes and start pivoting, then we can literally miss the heart of God. Some of you in this room right now, you're going through a lot of things where you might even be at a crossroad and God is giving you an opportunity to hear his voice, to listen to him and make a pivot and a change. Some of you are in the midst of just maybe just two good things and you're trying to pray through and trying to discern like, God, what is your heart? And until we can get to the point where we're saying, God, It is not my will, but your will. And wanting and desiring to be able to say, God, I want you more than anything else. I believe until we make those changes and pivot, we're going to be stuck. And so we're going to go through this four-part series, and this is how we're going to try to present it to you in the next four weeks. Part one today, I want to talk about pivoting directionally especially when we're trying to find out where it is that God is leading us and taking us. Part two next week, I'm going to talk about pivoting uh, emotionally. Some of you struggle with emotions and there are factors in your life that causes all these emotions that are not healthy and not good for you. Some of you are just in different situations that's overwhelming you and until you know how to pivot, some of you are going to go down a road that's going to lead to a lot of unhealth, healthy, uh, just not only physically, physical unhealth, but even some of us, mental unhealth. The third part I want to talk about is pivoting relationally. Some of you are in relationships that are toxic. And if you do not change, and you do not pivot, I'm telling you right now, it's going to destroy you. Until God, the Holy Spirit, can wake you up, And tell you very clearly that in that relational state, it is not helping. It might be your friends. It might be a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship that might not be honoring to God. Wherever it is, got to ask yourself, is that relationship, is it helping me to get to my destiny that God has for me? Some of you have to pivot. And the last one I want to talk about is pivoting spiritually how to get out of certain situations, the rut, or some of us who feel like we're just doing the same things but we're not reaching that next level for us. And so how do you pivot so that you can grow deeper with the Lord spiritually? So that's what we're going to be focusing on for the next four weeks as we start this new season of our church. And today we want to talk about pivoting directionally and what it means to listen to the voice of God and trusting in Him as He leads us. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this, that we... Have to, it is important that as we trust God joyfully, He will lead us faithfully. It's about trusting in God, fully knowing that He knows you, He loves you, and that should bring joy to our hearts because when you trust, you don't have to worry. There's joy. And then from there, you will see how He will lead you, and He is a faithful God, and He will faithfully lead you all the way to the end. So I want to specifically talk about two things in these two verses of Psalm chapter 37. If you will look down to verse 23, I'm going to be looking at verse 23 and 24, which will make up my two points. So the first point is simply this, that God will show us the way, that God will show us the way. Will you turn to somebody next to you and tell them, God will show you the way. This psalm is written by King David, and we see that he's expressing the importance of trusting in God. Now, listen, it's harder to trust in God when things are difficult. But that's the irony is that when things are difficult, that's when you need to trust in God. So, David, he's writing the psalm because he is trying to remind people trust in God, especially when things do not look as if God cares or he's literally doing nothing about the situation. David tells those who are trying to live righteously by following God, by following his commands, he's encouraging them, don't be so consumed with the prosperity of the wicked people. Now, I think this is something that all of us can relate to, especially if you're a Christ follower. How many times as a Christ follower you try to obey God, you try to read the Bible, you do your BRPs, you do your soap, you do all these things, you try not to sin, you try to put certain parameters so that you will live in the obedience of God, and all of a sudden your life seems like is literally tanking, while those people who are not spending time with God, those people who are not even obeying God, it seems that they are prospering and they're doing well. If you've ever been in this situation, I'm telling you right now, one of the hardest things to hear is to trust in God. Because you look around you and it seems that those people who don't even know God, they're pre-Christians, that they're more fulfilled, they're more satisfied, they seem to have a greater purpose. And here we are as Christ followers doing everything that we can to follow Jesus, but everything around us is falling apart. Have you ever felt like that? It is so difficult to trust in Him, especially when you see it in front of you and you're thinking, this is unfair. That's why David wrote this song, to encourage the people to trust in God. Because You know why? Because those who do evil will eventually will be brought to justice. While those people who walk righteously, even though they might not see the blessings of God right away, but they are right with God. So let's read verse 23 and listen to what it says as I've kind of give you a little bit of background of the psalm. In verse 23 it says this, the steps of a man or a woman are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. David clearly states that the steps that people take are established By the Lord. The idea of the steps of a person is in reference to carving out a path in life by daily living. So, what that simply means is that every single step that you're taking, I was going to just sing a song, but anyway, every step you take and every move you make, (laughs) He is watching you, but He's leading you. Every step is being established by God. This process is something that you can try all you want but it has to be God who's doing it. The word established has its root word translated as to prepare, to make ready, to determine, to appoint, God appointing, to make firm. Or to set up, these are powerful phrases. When you think about the word established, so it's God who is preparing your steps. It's God who's making ready your steps. It's God who's determining your steps. It's God who's appointing your steps. So as you live your life every single day, He is literally ordering these steps for you. He's leading you. He's showing you the way. This is why we can plan all we want. Listen to me carefully. This is the reason why you could plan all you want, but you have to remember it is God who will direct us and who will prepare us. It's amazing. I see so many people, especially those of you who are very young, and you're like in college, and you're thinking like, okay, I'm gonna get straight A's, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do an internship, I'm gonna do an exchange so I could party and not have to study, but still get a good grade, pass fail, and I'm gonna do all these things, and you literally plan out your whole life. And you're thinking to yourself, because I did an internship at that place and because all these things are in order because my GPA, because of all the different references from my professors and everything that I've done, I am bound to get a job and all of a sudden it doesn't happen. I don't know how many of you have ever felt that, have gone through that. You know the frustration and the pain of when you try to order your steps and everything that you planned out is not coming about. Like literally you thought that it's going to be clear sailing you're going to get that internship but it closes. You thought you're going to get that job or you're going to be in that relationship or that opportunity will happen but it doesn't happen. And this is where you have to think is God calling me to pivot? To change? Some of you have heard this before, and I keep on sharing this because we had to learn how to pivot. I remember when our family first went to Indonesia, it was just really because we had a heart for church planning, but also we wanted to set the example. We don't want to be people standing up here and telling people what to do when we're not willing to do the same thing that we're asking people to do. That's hypocrisy, that is lack of leadership, that is lack of integrity. So we said, we're going to go to Indonesia, start our first international church. We're going to go as a family, we're going to invite other people who want to be a part of this, to give their lives to this. And we said, we will go there for one year. Now I'm going to tell you right now, it is not the easiest thing to take up and uproot your whole family for one year. And it makes it even harder when your kids are at a certain age, when they're going through a lot of changes. As you know, this is why some of you, even in this room, have moved around so many times, and you don't even know how to build friendships anymore. Or you've learned how to build superficial friendships. Because you're constantly moving. Your parents moved you around all the time. And through that ordering of steps, as God kind of led us to do that, we began to ask ourselves, Maybe sometime way in the future, we didn't know when, but way in the future, we would love to, when our kids are all off to college, just travel around and to minister to the people that we've been raising up. And so we thought it was way in the future, but God was preparing and ordering our steps to come to Hong Kong way before we even, not only expected, but we had no expectation of coming to Hong Kong. But he was preparing, appointing, He was setting up things before us that we could not control. All these people from China and people from Hong Kong started coming to our church in Michigan. And many of them were coming to know Jesus Christ. And we started finding out that some of them are going to be going back to Hong Kong and going to grad school at some of these different universities. And I keep on saying this, and I want to say it. I'm saying this because we love you. Polly, you. I was like, who are you? I'm like, where is PolyU? Because the two universities that we believe that God wanted us to start was in CUHK, because some of our former undergrad students who were local people were going to go to grad school at CUHK, so that made that's a no-brainer. But the best university, which is still debatable, <laughs> depending on which poll or whichever ranking you look at, Okay, settle down, because the single adults of married couples are like immature kids, okay? Do you know why? I'm slowly realizing I have met some people graduating from some awesome schools. And I look at them, I'm like, how? And then I've seen people graduate from schools that I just have no clue what the name of that school is, and they're some, some phenomenal workers. So I'm telling you right now, where you graduate from is not necessarily the most important thing. It's about people skills. You can graduate from one of the lowest ranking schools, but if you have the people skills, you're going to move up in your workplace. You're going to make an impact. So you could be like, but you have no people skills. You are not going to move up. Sorry for being direct, but I'm just being honest. So our heart was UHK and let's plant it in the most historical university here in Hong Kong at HKU. That was our plan. But God was establishing our steps. He was appointing. He was making ready. He was doing things that were outside of our control. And that's when we heard about PolyU and how some of the key faculty and administrators in the universities were all sold out, hardcore Christians who wanted to see a revival in this campus. We also met somebody who God, by God's grace, allowed us to get to know. And she said, we have been praying for almost 10 years for a church to start on this campus. So all these things were lining up, almost as if God is saying, I'm preparing you for something. So those of you who love to just wake up and wear your pajamas and come right down here, let me just say this to you. In human eyes, if you go to PolyU right now, you would not have had a life group here in this great city. And who know where some of you might have been? I share this partly because those of you who are from Pollywood, I think you need to be a little bit humble. It's not that you're great, but God is great. And he's establishing and ordering our steps more than you know. Some of you who might be from a different city or a different place, but you transformed from work. Some of you might be here because you're just kind of like, you move because of a job. Like, if you somehow think to yourself that this is something that you made a decision on, I'm telling you right now, you have missed the bigger picture. The Bible tells us that God orders and he establishes our steps. That's why Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 in the NIV says this. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Establishes. Sets up prepares, appoints. And I think some of us have to experience disappointment, so we we plan everything out, and we realize nothing is working. And until you can hear God's voice saying that it was all about you, what you wanted, then we're going to say, okay, I'm open to pivoting and changing. I think it's easy for us to take matters into our own hands. And what do we do? We manipulate and we try to get what we want selfishly. But listen to what Jeremiah says in chapter 10, verse 23. In the NIV, it says this. I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. I don't know when we're going to learn this. I've seen... 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds still trying to plan out their lives. There's nothing wrong with planning because there's a practical level of planning. But you plan, but you hold it loosely. But some of us, we plan as if this is our life. And that's why when we get disappointed or it doesn't happen, we're devastated. And maybe that's what we have to experience, devastation. To finally realize, I cannot keep on going in this direction. I got to surrender. I got to let go. Listen to what the message translation says of Jeremiah chapter 10. Maybe this will help us to understand it a little bit better in the colloquial language. I know, God, that mere mortals can't run their own lives. That men and women don't have what it takes to take charge of their lives. You think you do but you don't. It's amazing. I have seen so many parents thinking, if I could just have my kids go to this school and they can experience this activity and they could go through all this kind of stuff, then this kid is going to succeed. Talk to parents who have already gone through that stage of their lives and they're going to tell you, you could plan all you want. But it might not happen. Some of you, you you try to plan out your whole life. I'm going to study here. I'm going to get this GPA. And I'm going to get this job. And from there, I'm going to move into this city and move into this neighborhood and marry this kind of person and have this many children. And I'm going to experience all this stuff. And you plan out your life. And as soon as you go through this, there's going to be a moment in your life where you realize, my goodness, everything that I expected, nothing has come about. You think you know, but you don't. Because we're finite in our understanding. God, if we believe that He's good and He knows all things, He is literally working out so many things in your life so you can get to where He wants you to be. You're not in control. And the sooner you come to that realization that you're not in control, the sooner you're going to be able to say, God, show me the way. Since God is in charge, is a reminder that God is the one who is preparing and appointing this path for us. I think it's so tempting to go to the other extreme and say, well, if God is in control and I don't have to do anything, you literally just are very passive. And we have some passive people. And what I want to encourage you is this. You have to remember that learning how to trust in God as he orders our steps, establishes our steps, is not a passive thing. God is the one who will show us the path, but we have to respond to him in obedience. Can I get a good amen to that? He will show us the way, but we have to respond in obedience. The important part of this whole process is God showing us and us responding. But let me give you a little caveat to this. God will show us the way, but it is imperative that we delight in his way. If you look a little bit earlier in chapter 37, verse 4, listen to what it says. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You know, when I was younger in my faith, I'm like, praise God, because I have a lot of desires. There's a lot of stuff that I want. But little did I know that little phrase that says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you. That means that the more I start delighting in God, the more I begin to spend time with him, the more I commune with him, the more I know what his priorities are, then I realize my desire started to change. No longer did I start thinking that it's all about success. No wonder I started thinking, I, I don't need all these other stuff because the more I delighted in him, the more I knew him, the more I knew his heart, the desire began to change. It's kind of like this for those of you who are single, which is majority of you. You're thinking to yourself, I need to marry someone who's rich. So he could be the ugliest looking person in the world, but you're like, he's rich. And those dollar signs just make him look pretty in his eyes. But because you value money, security, Some of you value this image. You want to you find somebody that when you t- take a selfie on your Instagram, that you'll look good. You know, the face, proportion, everything, you'll look good. You know what I'm talking about? There's some couples you see, like, eh. but then you want to be that other couple are like, mm. Because you value external things, what people perceive of you. And when you begin to change some of those desires about what people think of us, It's not about all money. Then you'll be realizing that, oh, there are a lot of other people that could be potential candidates. Can I get a good amen to that? Not everyone is going to be Miss Hong Kong. Come on, brothers. If you don't believe me, if you do not believe me, there's a thing called a mirror, and just look at it for a little bit. (laughs) That was my dose of truth, all right? I'll stop here. (laughs) What God is doing is he's trying to change your desires. And he's changing it by challenging you to delight in him. The word delight is translated as to take pleasure in to be willing and to be inclined. Powerful. So when David says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, what he's saying is, be inclined to the Lord. Be willing to the Lord. Take pleasure in the Lord. Because right now, if there is no pleasure in God's presence, if there is no willingness to say, God, your will above my will, no matter what you desire, that is not what he's going to order in your life. Psalm 25, verse 12, and the ESV says this, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. I was reading this and I said, let me look at a different translation. I looked at the Amplified translation. Listen, this was more insightful. It says, who is the man who fears the Lord with all inspired reverence and worships him with submissive wonder? He will teach him through his word in the way he should choose. So what the psalmist is trying to say is this. When you are all inspired and you are worshiping God in wonder of who he is in the gospel, then it says here then he's going to teach you because you are inclined, you are willing, you are taking pleasure in God. Then he will instruct you, he will teach you, he will show you, he will lead you in the way you should choose. If you've ever come to a crossroad in your life and you're thinking that I want to maybe pivot directionally, one of the things that you have to be able to receive is the question, are you submitted to God? Are you inclined and willing to obey him no matter what? And if we're honest with ourselves, we will say, God, no, we're not. Because some of the things that I think about, I don't want to do. Some of the things that you're challenging me with, that is not within my plan. And so here's God in His Word telling us, I'm going to instruct you through my Word, but you're not inclined to obey. You don't want to obey. No wonder then God says, What can I do? I will lead you, because that's love. If you force people to do something, that is not love. He releases you in love. He allows you to face disappointments, dissatisfaction, discontentment. And when you come to that point of lowest point in your life, you realize maybe it's all about me. And I don't want it to be. God, no matter how hard it is, how difficult it is, if this is your will for me, I will say yes. so that you will receive the glory. It's really about worshiping God and trusting that God knows better than me and that we don't have everything all figured out. That's why let me give you one more verse. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 24, in the New Living Translation. The Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? You can't. You cannot understand everything that God is doing And until you surrender that, until you say, God, I want to follow you, I'm delighting in you, I'm taking pleasure in you, I am inclined, I am willing to obey you. So as I'm worshiping you, as I'm in your presence, then you're going to change my desires to make it your desires. And I will say yes. That's how you pivot. Because he will show you, but the challenge for us is to say, are we willing to obey? The second and last point is this. Not only will God show us the way, but it's very clear in verse 24 that God will support us along the way. He will not only show us the way, but he will support us along the way. Let's close out with verse 24. It says this, though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong for the the Lord upholds his hand. As his children, God will not allow us to be ruined by our stumbling and falling. I think it's important for us to remember that that even though our steps are established by God, it does not immune us from stumbling, from falling along the way. There's so many times we get a clear vision from God, but as we're walking through this, there's so many different temptations, there's so many different distractions, there's so many different things that makes us question This is why it's interesting that in verse 24, look at it again, it says, though. It is not an issue of if. If you happen to stumble, but it's when. So though you stumble, which means that you're going to stumble along the way. That's why I like the New American uh, Standard Bible translation. It says this, when he falls... He will not be hurled headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Did you catch that phrase? When he falls. It's not if. It's when. Life is messy. Life is hard. Life is complicated. It's not going to have all the clear answers before you. That's why the life of Christian life is about trust. Even though we fall, we will never be completely cast down, it says, because God's hand His hand will uphold us and support us. God's hand will never let us go because his grip is secure and tight. I don't know how many of you have seen some of these pictures of people tightroping. Let me show you one. Um, These guys are crazy because they are actually tightroping without any safety net below them. So either they're really confident, they have to be, or they're a little bit one screw missing out there because once they fall, they're dead. And so you've got to be either really good on your best behavior and to your best skill to be able to do this. And I'm just wondering, some of us who have never done this, what would happen? You would just, you will not even get up there, but I'm wondering, would I even take the first step? But look at this next picture. That's called a net. On the bottom, even though she's on this uh, unicycle, I can do this. I can try this because there's a net. That's why they call it a safety net. The beautiful thing about trusting in God and pivoting and trying to go in a direction that God wants you to go is that there will always be a safety net when you trust in God. You're never alone, you're never trying to go through this in your own wisdom, but when you fully trust in God, he will support you along the way. That's why God's grace will cover us as we repent. Therefore, we can't give up. We have to keep on allowing God to pick us up again and again. That's why the Proverbs tells us this, to remind us how we will keep on stumbling. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 says this, for the righteous fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. What the the writer or Proverb is saying is this, that the righteous people, even though they fall seven times, they will rise up again. Because it's God who raises them up. There will also be times when you come to the end of yourself and you realize that only God can fully satisfy you. Not only is he like supporting you and you realize, but it's because you know that he is the only one that you can put your full trust in. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 73, verse 25 to 26 says this, Whom have I in heaven? And there is nothing on earth that I what? Say that word. Desire besides you. The inclination, the willingness to take pleasure in. There's nothing that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. To really believe that even though everything collapses around you, that though your heart and your flesh may fail, that God is the strength and the portion forever knowing that he will lift you up, that he will support you. How about us this morning? Have you ever felt as if God has given up on you? I'm wondering, are there times when you just want to quit because things are hard or too difficult? I'm wondering if you believe that God will support you, or I'm wondering if you're believing in Satan's lies that you've already missed that opportunity, and he leads you to this hopeless state, God will support us along the way. So once again, the one thing is this, that as we trust God joyfully, he will lead us faithfully. And I think this simply is the gospel message, that every single one of us, we were formed and brought into this world in God's knowledge. But we entered into this life with our first breath in this life of sin. This is why we say that we are depraved. We cannot save ourselves. And God, all the way along in your whole journey, whether it's your parents or whether circumstances, different things you've experienced in your life, he's trying to reach out to you because he loves you. Even in the midst of some of your darkest times, some of you right now in the crossroad of your life where you feel like, you have no hope. It is in that moment of dissatisfaction or even discontentment, God is trying to get your attention. Because He's trying to lead you, prepare you, make ready. For that moment where you realize that you come to the end of yourself and you say, I'm tired of trying to live this life by myself. And that's why Jesus Christ had to come. And so when he came, he lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. And he died on the cross for all your sins, all my sins, the sins of the world. So that through that now, when you place your trust in his sacrifice that he made for us, that he rose again from the dead, that you have eternal life. it's a simple faith. And that's where it all starts. And from there, it's a lifelong journey of trusting in him that your whole life now is in his hands. That not only will he show you the way, but he will support you along the way. And so some of the steps that we need to take in closing is this. First, listen to God's prompting. God is going to be speaking to you in the areas of your life where he wants you to make the pivot. You got to listen, and I'm telling you, yes, there's nothing we can do. God can speak whenever he wants, but I tell you, one of the best ways he speaks to us is through the word. I always tell people, if you're not walking with God, try not to make a decision right away, because you're going to make it according to what you think is best. That's why you got to be walking with God, read his word, get in his presence, pray so that you commune with him, so that as you're delighting in him, then he will show you. The second thing is this. Live by faith in God's promises. Because as soon as God prompts you, he's going to challenge you to take a pivot in a different direction. Letting go of that person, letting go of that situation, letting go of your own control. All these moments of your life, it's going to require faith. And what do you put your faith in? Not in yourself, not in other people, but you got to put faith in his promises because that's 100%. And lastly, learn to trust in God. The fight or for the fight because it is a battle. It's a battle for hearts, and Satan and the world is trying to tug you this way, and God is trying to pull you this way in His loving ways. So, learn to trust in Him. I love what Henry Nouwen said in his book, Here and Now. Listen to what he writes. He says, when I trust deeply that today God is truly with me and holds me safe in a divine embrace, guiding every one of my steps, I can let go of my anxious need to know how tomorrow will look or what will happen next month or next year. I can be fully where I am and pay attention to the many signs of God's love within me and around me. You're not going to be able to let go of your anxious thoughts about what you have to do about tomorrow, about next month, about next year. Because why? You're so consumed with yourself. But when you're able to learn how to trust in God with all the different things that you're facing in your life, then you will begin to pay attention to the things that are most important. Knowing that He loves you. That if He loves you, He will take care of you. Knowing that He is good, and if He's good, everything that He plans out, is going to be for our good. Let me just close here. I was going to show you this one quick video, but I'll save it for some other time. But I'm going to ask us, let's stand together, shall we? I know a lot of things went on today with all these different things that we were presenting, but I think most important, today I pray that one of the things that you will gain from hearing God's word is that every single one of your steps are established by God. He's leading you. He's guiding you. And some of you, he's putting roadblocks so he could turn you away from that road with no bridge. You're going to fall off the cliff. And God in his love for you is trying to direct you some other place. Are you listening? Are you in his presence so you can hear what he's trying to say to you? Don't go there. That situation is not the best for you. You got to delight. You got to take pleasure in, be inclined, and be willing to say, God, I want you more than anything else or anyone else. And the reason why we could be confident in stepping out in faith because he's going to support us. Nothing's going to let us. He's not going to let us go. Even when we make the stupidest mistakes, the worst decision, he will never let us go. That's his grace. That's his mercy. And that's where confidence builds. That's the safety net of his grace. I pray that as you trust in God joyfully, you will see how he's leading you faithfully every single step of the way. May you make some pivots in your life. Maybe some directional things. You might have to pause, spend some time. Some of you, I know you're in the midst of finals. Some of us are busy with work. But maybe this Saturday or after everything is done, just take maybe an afternoon. Take a personal retreat. Go away, listen to God. Be around nature. And breathe in everything that God has for you. I pray that as we learn to let go and allow God to work in us that every single one of you and this is from my heart because I desire this for you I pray that every single one of you will live the fullness of life that God has intended for you and you will see joy blessings fruits in your life like never before So Father, I just pray for every single person here in the sound of my voice and I pray Lord that you will speak to every single one of us as we move forward in the things of your heart. God, for some of us we have to pivot, make some changes directionally. Some of us are in situations that are not healthy. Some of us are in situations that are not helping. Some of us are anxiety ridden. Some of us, we're just turning to ourselves and, Lord, we're we're stressed out. I pray that you'll just give us a freedom just all over this room in the name of Jesus. I feel like some of us, we're just bound to ourselves. Stress comes from outside, but it's how you process it. And some of you are so tightly wound because you you don't want to lose control. Some of you are getting physically ill. So, I want to speak to you and just say, you got to learn to let go. And I know it's scary, but this is where you got to trust that there is a safety net of His grace. He will never let you go. Even though the results is not what you expect, do you trust that He is ordering your steps? He is establishing it, He is preparing you for something else? I just pray for an overwhelming sense of trust in this room right now, in the name of Jesus. That no matter what situation where some of us are facing, no matter what we're going through, those things that are out of our control, we want to be able to fully trust that you know what you're doing beyond us. So God, we let it go. We just say, God, it's in your hands. That our steps are established by God. But our way is led by you and you will never let us go though we fall seven times the righteous man and the woman will rise up again and again help us to rise up because we trust you come on church i don't know how many of you know but i know some of you're entering into finals and some of you are in finals some of the families and maybe single adults a lot of stresses at work and struggles of trying to find that balance in your life. But we want to minister to one another and let's just join hands together. Can we just do that as a